0: If you have a Bible with you today, I want you to open it up to the book of 1 Timothy. Okay, 1 Timothy, we're going to start in chapter 6. 1 1 Timothy is in the second half of your Bible, known as the New Testament. Right? We have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. 1 Timothy is pretty close to the end of your Bible. So if you can find it in there, find chapter 6, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. Now, this morning, we are continuing our series of messages that we've titled... Go for the gold. Go for the gold, right? The Olympics are going on. They're in full swing right now. And so we thought we'd piggyback on this famous quote to try to figure out what it means to go for the gold when it comes to living for God. How do we do that? How do we go for the gold when it comes to living for God? And the idea of paralleling um, athletics And the life God wants us to live. It's not a new parallel at all because the Apostle Paul wrote these words that I'm going to read to you um, to the church in Corinth about 2,000 years ago. Here's what he reads, chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is what he writes. I'm reading it. He's not reading it. I'm reading it. He said, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. The athletes, they're disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This is Paul, and he's talking about like the discipline of being a Christian. And the discipline that Paul is talking about with athletes it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, if you know any, like, hardcore athletes. It, it leads to stories like this. So far in our Summer Olympics, there's this swimmer from Tunisia, all right? His name is Ahmed Hafnawi. He won the gold medal in the 400-meter freestyle. You're like, okay, big deal. No, no, no. He shouldn't have even been in the finals. He made it into the finals. He qualified by 14 ths of a second. He qualified dead last. He was in lane 8 wasn't supposed to make it, and no one picked him to win because they, didn't even, they did not expect him to swim two whole seconds faster than his qualifying time to win the gold medal. He swam two seconds faster. The American swimmer who took third place, his name is Kieran Smith, he said he, he had never even heard of this 18-year-old. He didn't know anything about him. Now he does. Dude's gold medal winner. Like, amazing. You also have Flora Duffy who won the very first gold medal for her country. Bermuda has never won a gold medal before. Now Bermuda is the smallest country to have ever won a gold medal. Her medal came in the triathlon. (laughs) One mile swim, 25 mile bike ride, six mile run. Like, it's all in kilometers, but I don't know any of those numbers, so I translated them for you, right? She did this in just under two hours. That's overall... That's 32 33 miles of stuff. Like I would have done that just in about under Oh yeah, I died. Never mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, here's crazy. This is crazy. 13-year-old Olympic skateboarder Momiji Nishia. She is now tied for the youngest gold medalist ever. 13 years old. But here's the problem. There's a 12-year-old that is doing skateboarding later this week who has a chance at winning gold. Sixth graders winning gold medals. What kind of discipline does that take? That is insane. That is insane. Then you have the opposite end of the spectrum. We have Oksana Chusavitina. She's a gymnast from Uzbekistan. She just competed in her eighth Olympic Games this past week. Okay, do the math. Eight times four, 32 She is the oldest Olympian ever at 46 years old. She's been competing since the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. 46! That's old! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. But seriously, for an Olympian? Like, I know 46-year-olds who if they stand up too fast, they hurt themselves. (laughs) And she's doing flips and spins and that... That's impressive. That is impressive, you have to admit. You're not old if you're 46, okay? You're not not old. I was just having a conversation with a 70-year-old, 8-year-old dude the other day, and he's in way better shape than I am, so (laughs) it's all good. But there are all all sorts of amazing stories of people who heard, go for the gold, and they have worked their butts off to make it happen. The discipline. So we're going to get into the Word of God here to see what we can learn about how do we keep our focus How do we do this? So here's what I'd like you to do. Would you please stand with me out of respect for God's word? We're going to read just two verses here out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, and then we're going to read a few more verses later. But for right now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. This is Paul writing to his young protege. He writes this. O Timothy, guard the doctrine which has been entrusted to you, avoiding profane, empty babblings and contradictions of false knowledge that is called science, through which some who are personally professing these false views have missed the mark concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Crazy way to end a letter, right, that Paul writes to his young guy. like, Don't miss it. Don't miss the mark. Grace be with you. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you today. Guide us. Direct us. I pray that we will put our eyes on you and know that you have the answers that we're looking for in life. Know that you know the direction we should go. So so speak to us today, and help me speak the words that you want people to hear today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen. You can have a seat. All right, one sport that uh, has really become more popular in our area around here and in our schools has actually been an Olympic sport since the year 1900, okay? I'm talking about archery. Yeah, this has been amazing. This is, like, we have some great, uh, a great school program now. We have like a 13-year-old kid who won nationals. He won the national tournament for elementary, and he went on to Worlds, and he took like 11th, and he was all disappointed because he didn't do a very good job. Like we have, this is, it's really, really cool. Now, in the Olympics, there's individual, and there's team. Um, competitions. Individual archers shoot 72 arrows in the qualifying rounds. 72 arrows. And they're each worth 10 points Um, if you hit the bullseye, right? And it goes out from there, 10, 9, 8, whatever. A woman from South Korea just uh, a couple weeks ago, last week, early last week, she set the Olympic record in the qualifying round with 680 points. Think about that. That's like, only 40 points she missed total out of 72 arrows. It's pretty impressive. Impressive. Now, in the knockout rounds of the individual and the team, the, you, you take turns shooting. Um, one person shoots from one team and then the other from the other team. And you have either four or six arrows. And at the end of a set, whoever has the most points wins the set. Okay, so a set usually is four or six arrows. Um, and if you win the set, you get two points. If you tie the set, you get one point and then the first team to five points wins, right? So if you win two sets and then you tie a set, five points, it's over. I want you to take a look here at the final shots of the mixed team gold medal competition. Watch this. Oh, dead center of the target from Schlosser who asks the question, have Korea got the answer? Oh. Oh. If San can finish this off with a perfect set, then the Dutch, well, you just have to say you're beaten by the better side. It's a nine, but it's enough to give Korea the inaugural team Mixed team gold medal. All right, so they split that set, right? And so South Korea had won two sets prior. The Netherlands, the Dutch had won one set prior. So they split that. That was the fifth point for South Korea for them to win their gold. Now, you just saw Archery. Now, I'm gonna show you how it's really done, okay? You think I'm joking? We're going right now, boy. Where are you going? No, no. Remember, Sarah, we practiced this. You were supposed to grab that apple back there and put it on your head. <laughs> All right. So when you're doing archery, first things first, right? Stance is important. Boat, shoulder-width apart, comfortable. Grip on the bow. Don't strangle the thing, right? When you grab the string, you pull back on the string. You don't touch the arrow, okay? You pull back. You find your anchor point, right? you don't want me to mess this up (laughs) okay you aim down the arrow and slowly release that's pretty darn good right all right let's try one more let's try one what i'm not backing up no way yeah they're doing at 70 meters i'm doing it at like 10 70 meters y'all better be ducking wearing helmets Full-on plate armor. Okay, let's try this one more time. See if we can nail it one more time. Don't blow it too bad, Corey. Everybody's watching. Oh, baby. Hey, that's uh, that's 19 points right there. That's legit. All right. That's fun. That's fun. I'm going to set this right here. All right. So... We're going to leave that right there, those right there. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. We're going to use this as an illustration in, in just a little bit. But earlier, we read two verses from a letter written from the Apostle Paul to his protege, Timothy. Hold on. Whew. Isn't it crazy? Like, remember how Pastor Kyle was talking last week how much harder it is when people are watching? It's so different. Like, you get this adrenaline going, and now I'm like trying to just calm down here. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. All right, so Paul writes to Timothy, his protege. Timothy is a younger man who was traveling with Paul for quite a while to assist him in starting churches all around modern-day Greece, Turkey, and North Macedonia. Now, when Paul writes these two letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy, uh, we know from a verse that I'm going to read here in just a minute uh, that Timothy is in Ephesus and Paul is in Macedonia. And you can see the little stars on there, the one with the T down on the bottom is Timothy, and the one with the P is Paul up in Macedonia. Um, Paul writes about a number of things to Timothy um, that is going to help him lead the churches in that area, but today I'm going to focus on, and we're going to talk about one area that pops up a few different times in Paul's letter. There's a word that Paul uses in his writings to Timothy that isn't used anywhere else in the Bible. Okay, Paul uses it three times. Only three times in the entire Bible is this word used. Once in the passage that we read earlier in 1 Timothy 6.21, once in 1 Timothy 1, 1.6, and once in 2 Timothy 2.18. And I'm going to show you all three of these passages, and then, and then we're going to look at what the word is. Let's see, see if you can figure it out here, okay? We're going to play a little game, all right? So he, here's the one I read earlier. O Timothy, guard the doctrine which has been entrusted to you, avoiding profane, empty babblings and contradictions of false knowledge. That is called science. Through which some who are personally professing these false views have missed the mark concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Now here, here we have 1 Timothy 1, 3-16. He says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, there we have where they're at right now, Ephesus and Macedonia, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. Then lastly, we have 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. Anybody think they know what the word is? I'm not going to ask you so you don't embarrass yourself, but um, remember this as you're thinking about the word. This word that we're going to be looking at, nowhere else in the Bible, only used three times. And remember, Paul is writing not in English here, right? He is writing in, uh, in Greek, And we have English translations of a Greek letter that is written. And so this Greek word that he uses only in three places in the whole Bible is the word ostacheo. And so many of you right now are like, I knew that was the word, (laughs) right? (laughs) No, you didn't. Um, Well, when we break this word down, this word ostacheo, when we break it down, we can find the literal translation. So check this out. The letter A is a prefix... Uh, prefix in the Greek language, kind of like the prefix un in ours, which means not. Okay, so like we have unsatisfactory or unstable meaning not satisfactory, not stable. So the word a, or the letter a, um, sorry, the word "astacheo" is telling us that it is not the second half of whatever our word means, okay? And the second half of the word "astacheo" um, comes from the wo- root word Stochos, which means target. Astochos. So so astacheo literally means not on target. Paul is saying that something that he's writing about here to Timothy, something in your churches, Timothy, is off. It's it's not going in the right direction. It's not on target. Now, I'm going to show you where this word shows up in each of these passages. I'm going to read them um, really quick again. So, O Timothy, guard the doctrine which has been entrusted to you, avoiding profane, empty babblings, contradictions of false knowledge that is called science, through which some who are personally professing these false views have missed the mark concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Here, astacheo is translated into English as missed the mark. Then we have 1 Timothy 1 through 6, 3 through 6, right? As I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may change uh, may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and genealogies which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. So here we have it as swerved from. Then we have Second Timothy two sixteen through eighteen. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of those two dudes. Um, they have left the path. Left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. So here we have it as left the path. So in each of these verses, we have this word astacheo translated into different phrases, but the idea is the same, right? Let me show you this. Some are professing false views, and they are not on target. Right? That's that was the first one. Some are not on target. Because they have wandered into pointless discussions. That was the second verse we read. Third verse. Some are not on target with the truth because they're claiming the resurrection has already occurred. So you see the theme here, I think, right? Whenever Paul uses this word ostacheo, he is talking about people that are believing and or teaching things that are false. False teachings. So he's using this word not on target and he writes about this topic with Timothy three different times in two letters. And the cool thing is, is it happens once in the first letter and once in the second letter. So this is a big deal to Paul. He writes about it both times. Um, and he did it for multiple reasons. There was reasons that the people of these churches were off target. Let me give you a few of them. Okay, the Roman Empire was the superpower of the world at this time. And the Roman Empire, they had their Greek gods that they worshipped. Now, they changed the names of the Greek gods and called them Roman gods. But they worshipped the Greek gods, really, okay? You've heard of Greek mythology, Zeus and all those guys, right? They did all these sacrifices to all these gods to appease them. The goddess of fertility, the god of the harvest, the god of war, etc., etc. These are some of the myths that Paul talks about that people have devoted themselves to that we read in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 4. That was in one of the verses. Check out, he's like, don't follow those myths. Don't, don't go after those things. Don't devote yourselves to them. Then, another thing, we had the Greek culture uh, in the area where Timothy was. And some of the people in the Greek culture would literally sit around all day and just debate things. Some of you are like, that sounds amazing. And I'm going, ugh. Ugh right? They talked about philosophy constantly. Now, some of Greek philosophy has impacted the world greatly. It's been great things. But there was so much of it that was just a bunch of talk and arguing about things that weren't important and, and, and were just, quite honestly, a waste of time. And these Greek philosophy mumbo-jumbo types of things is some of what Paul is talking about when he talks about his empty babblings um, in First Timothy 6.20. He's like, don't, don't, Pay attention to those empty babblings. Don't waste time. And then, maybe one of the hardest things for early Christians is they were coming out of the Jewish religion at the time, right? Jesus was a Jew. When he died, people started becoming Christians and following Jesus. So some of these converts from Judaism would come into Christianity and they would drag their old religious laws with them because it's what they knew, right? I mean, it it makes sense. And so again, we see this in Paul's writings where he, he's talking about don't, don't waste your time in, in pointless doctrine and genealogies, okay? He, he says that in, in one of the verses we just read. So this Greek religion and philosophy were everywhere and the Jewish religion was what they knew so it was very, early for, very easy for early Christians to fall back into their religious laws or to be influenced by the cultures around them and this caused them to be astacheo, off target. All right, I want to show you something here, right? The, uh, the center of the target that I so uh, pointedly hit, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just had to throw that out there in case you can't see it. No, um, this, it's, it's sometimes in archery called the gold. Okay, it's called the gold because obviously it's the center. So this, this term, the, the title of our series, Go for the Gold in Archery, actually has two kind of meanings, right? The gold medal, but also go for the gold in the center. Um, but hitting this gold is not always easy, okay? They're doing it from way further than I am, um, and so it, it's hard just in that. But also, there is something called gold fever in archery. Okay, gold fever is this idea that professionals, for some reason or another, they have this mental block where they can't focus on the gold. So they would, they pull their bow up and you're supposed to, whoops, sorry, you're supposed to like let it hover for a little while until you feel like you're in the right spot. Gold fever is like, they get up there and they've been struggling and they're just like, as soon as I see the gold, boom, I'm just going to let it go. They don't take the time, okay? So this is kind of like the yips in baseball or golf, if you've heard of it right? You have these professionals who can't even pick up a baseball and throw it to second base. Yeah, Chuck Knoblock, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, that guy. Um, otherwise, you have golfers who are like a foot away and you have professional golfers who can't make a putt. They just have this mental block. Or right now, which is huge in our context, Simone Biles with the twisties right? She's struggling with this thing called the twisties in her head right now. She has this mental block, whatever you think about it, she has this mental block in her mind where when she gets in the air, she doesn't know whether she's up, she's down, she doesn't remember how to twist, she's, she's freaking out basically. It's this crazy mental block. If you don't have a good aim on a trick like a triple twisting double backflip, the Biles too you could become seriously injured. So, so this idea of gold fever, if you don't have good aim on something, with like in gymnastics, you get seriously hurt. That's a form of gold fever. You let the arrow loose before you have good aim at your target. Now, not having, having good aim at your target is detrimental to any athlete in a lot of ways, okay? Obviously, we're, we're changing the terminology, or the not this target, but where you're going. Olympic athletes have a very precise target that they are trying to hit. They are ridiculously focused on where they are going and what they need to do to get there. These athletes, they know exactly what they need to do to give them the best chance at winning the gold. They have coaches, they have trainers, they have dietitians. And they give them this plan to follow to give them the best chance at success. They know what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat. They know the correct techniques, and they know how they're not supposed to do things. They know the physical types of things that they should be working on that are going to help them, and the physical things in their lives that they should stay away from that are going to hurt them. They have this target, this bullseye that, that they're aiming at that is so small, that is so precise, and they know what it entails, and they are freakishly focused on it freakishly oh she spells it okay (laughs) every once in a while I'm just like how she do this okay so what's the question becomes what's our bullseye what's our target what are we aiming at is our aim off are we aiming at the things that we should be aiming at as humans as Christians maybe as Americans like what, what does this look like? Are we missing the mark? Are we swerving from the bull'seye? Are we veering off the path? Are we ostacheo? Are we off target? because maybe because we are being influenced by the things around us, like the Ephesians where that Paul w- was warning Timothy about. Today in America, we don't have the, the other religions that that really influence us all that much right i mean there's not a whole lot of other religions that draw us a little bit but not nearly as much but we absolutely have a lot of cultural stuff that pulls at us as followers of christ there's all sorts of ideas and opinions and movements that are contrary to the word of god but many times these ideas they sound good that's the problem think about it these are some of the things that i hear Oh, man, if it feels good, do it. Whew. Yeah, that sounds great. Until you put it in the context of the Bible, or you know what, live your truth. Your truth. How is that a truth at all? Right. Well, this is just who I am. I gotta be me. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Not biblical. Well, guess what? It's not hurting anyone else. Really. Is that what our target should be? Whatever we think is right? Whatever we think is best for us? People are being praised as being brave for being true to themselves, for standing up for what they think is right, even if it's not. For not changing what they want just because it goes against what someone else says or what the Bible says. Do you hear the problem with all of this? True to themselves. What they think is right not changing what they want. We're we're making it all about the individual person. We're making it all about ourselves. And if we are aiming at whatever we think is right or best for us, we have swerved. We have left the path. We have missed the mark. We are ostacheo. We are off target of what Christianity really is. Because do you know what the word Christianity means? It's the Greek word again, christianos, which means follower of Christ. Follower of Christ. If you call yourself a Christian, you are calling yourself a follower of Christ. If our aim is on what we want, we are not Christians. We are followers of ourselves. We're not followers of Christ. That's not the bullseye that God calls us to. We should be aiming for the truth of God. Not what Paul warns Timothy of, right? Not the worthless, foolish talk that leads to more godless behavior. Not myths and different doctrines that promote speculation. Not false views and contradictions of false knowledge. Now, I need you to hear this, okay? If you've checked out at all because you've been angry at me for what I said, I need you to come back and listen to this right now. I'm not saying that it's all about making sure that we follow God's word to a T so that we can say that we hit the bullseye and we're perfect because we did what we were supposed to do. No, okay, that is not what this is about. Pastor Kyle talked about this last week when he got up on this balance beam, right? It's not about feeling the pressure and feeling the guilt and, oh my gosh, I gotta do exactly what the Bible says and if I don't, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a follower of Christ. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to get at here. Get this right now. What I'm saying is that we should make our target the Word of God. All right? Our target should be the Word of God. We should have a worldview that says, God died for me, I love God, therefore I'm going to line up my values, my aim, my goals, to reflect what the Word of God tells me. I'm not going to give in to the false teachings or or false values or ideas that are contrary to the Word of God like this passage from Paul that we're talking about today. Now, am I going to hit the bullseye with my actions every time? Absolutely not. Am I going to live out my aim for my life? Am I, not going to aim, am I not going to live out my aim for my life sometimes? Absolutely, I'm going to mess up, right? We do. But, get this, if my aim starts off target, there's no way I hit God's bullseye for my life. Okay, I'm going to say it again. If my aim starts off target, there's no way I hit God's bullseye for my life, right? If I'm standing right down there like I was before and I aim for the kayak, is there any way that I hit that target? If I do, I'm really, really bad, right? There's no way I should hit that target if I am aiming over there. If I aim for whatever I want in life, if I set my beliefs and my values off of culture or just personal things that I want and the people around me, they say what's right, there's no way I live for God how he wants me to live. It just makes sense. I want to get my aim for my life, my purpose, my beliefs my values, all from the word of God. If I do that, then living that out comes, comes from walking out the balanced relationship with the guidance of the Holy Spirit that Pastor Kyle talked about last week. And if you missed that message last week, check it out. He talked about how the Holy Spirit like, guides us and walks with us, and encourages us, and helps us, and directs us. That's what this is supposed to be like. It's about understanding that the Holy Spirit is always there, doing all of those things, encouraging us, not tearing us down. We might feel bad every once in a while. That's called conviction. That's okay, but we shouldn't get to the point where we feel condemnation, where we feel condemned. You are a loser. You're pathetic. You can't do it. That's not it, okay? Watch the message last week. But the honest truth is this, many Christians, they don't even know what God's target is for a Christian's life. Many Christians do not know what the Bible says. People say things like, well, I don't really know the Bible very well, but I read this article, Yeah, not the same, okay? Well, I don't really know the Bible very well, but here's how I think it should play out. Yeah, you're probably a good person, and you're probably pretty smart, but... Not the same. If we don't know the word of God, if we don't establish our target, we can very easily suffer from gold fever. We can very easily act before we have established our aim at the correct target. Flat out, we need to read our Bibles. We need to study our Bibles. And there are so many great resources out there. Because I know a lot of you are thinking like, I don't know how to do it. I don't get it when I read it. It's hard. Like, there are so many great resources out there that can help us dig deeper into the Bible. There are free online commentaries where guys who study the Bible for their life, that's what they do. They're way smarter than I am. They write about the the cultural context of the passage and what it meant in the original language and then what it should mean for us. Like, they write these things out. You can find those online for free. There are free online Bible studies that that take you deeper into a passage of scripture to help you flesh it out and to figure out, how, how do I apply this to my life? There are free apps that can help you find a Bible reading plan. And it will even send you a reminder at whatever time you want it to send you a reminder so that you can read it every day. And probably the best resource you have, there are other people in this church that want to get better at reading the Bible, that want to study the Bible. And you get together and you do this together. Check this out. So cool. Two weeks ago, I got a text message from a 16-year-old guy in my youth small group. He texted me and he said, hey, you want to start reading and talking about the Bible with me? I was like, show my, I'm like, "Jesus! 16-year-old kid wants to read the Bible with me. I'm like, yes, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like, wow, smiley face, whatever emoji thing. I was blown away. A 16-year-old guy wants to dig into the Bible. Heck yeah, let's go, right? So we've been reading one chapter a week. That doesn't sound like a lot, right? We read the same chapter four different times, four different ways, while looking at four different resources to help us understand what is being said. And then on Sunday nights, tonight, between 7 and 8 o'clock, he comes and he prays. Uh, um, during our prayer service tonight, which we have between 6 and 7. Right after that, from 7 to 8, him and I and and a couple other guys at different points will pop in and out. We sit down and we discuss that chapter. We did James chapter 1. We did James chapter 2. We're on James chapter 3 this week. It's so awesome. It's a great story. It's amazing that this kid wants to do it. I was ecstatic when he messaged me. But it also made me feel really sad. It made me sad because the reason I got so excited... We because, was because this is pretty rare. The desire to read and study and understand and put into practice God's word—it's it's a rare thing these days, and I get excited when I hear someone wanting to do it because I'm surprised. I wish I wasn't surprised. And and please, please, please understand, okay? I I don't want to make anyone feel guilty for not doing this, okay? And I struggle with this tension all the time. My 10-year-old son, who was just sitting here a little bit ago, I'll go up to him uh, on a day, you know, I do it every other day or every third day or whatever. Hey, what have you been reading in the Bible? And he's like, oh, I I forgot (laughs) to read my Bible. I said, oh, did you forget to play video games today? Did Did you forget to go get your money after you did your chores? Well, no. I don't want to make him feel guilty, I don't want anyone to feel guilty about this, and you may not believe me, maybe you're like, no, you made me feel really guilty, I'm sorry, that's not what I want, I really, really don't want that, I really, really do want people to read their Bible, I want them to have a desire, and I'm trying to show you, not by making you feel guilty, but getting you excited, or maybe having a holy discontent, like, you know what, you're right, I do need to do this, that's the the emotion I want to invoke in you this morning, not like, wow, wow. Wow, lay it on thick. Phew, I better do this. No. Remember last week, no guilt, no condemnation. That's not what this is about. I want you to do it because it's the foundation for the aim of everything we are as followers of Christ. If you say you've never heard God's voice before, you're not reading the Bible right. Every time you read the Bible, you're hearing from God. Worship team, would you please come at this time? In fact, can I have everyone please stand with me? Now, if I really wanted to be an archer, I would put all my focus on this target right here, on the gold part of that target, the bullseye. If I really want to be a follower of Jesus, I would put my focus on this target right here, the Bible, the truth, the word of God. And if you are hearing these words today, maybe God is nudging you a bit. And maybe you're feeling like you wanna start to shift your aim. You want to get your target on the Bible. You wanna get your, your aim for everything in life from the Bible. If that's you, man, listen, we have resources, we have ideas that can help you start this process, okay? You can go to our website. On our website, on the very top, on the menu bar, you can click on growth tools. There's a place for you to click on Bible study resources and then you will get a list of videos and articles and resources that can help you read the Bible better. It is right there on our website. You can shoot me a message. My email is on the website. Find it, shoot me a message just saying how do you do this? I can send you the format that me and the 16 year old kid are going over. I can help you come up with your own format that works for you. you can go online and you can Google search commentaries, Bible commentaries You can find Bible studies that are free, that work for you. Or again, ask me. I have some of those things. I have commentaries I like, Bible studies I like. I can help you with this. We have what you need. You need to make it work. You got to have the desire. You got to go after this. It comes down to us, right? I know what I need to do. I can walk across the street right over here, and I can go to Snap Fitness. They have all of the equipment. They have all the trainers I need. Guess what? I gotta do it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing here. I have what you need, we have what you need. This has what you need. You gotta go after it, you gotta want it. So if you want that for yourself, if you desire to get into God's word more and to shift your aim towards him, I want you to just make a commitment to God this morning by just raising your hand and saying, that's me. By raising your hand, I'm saying, I'm gonna do something this week to get into God's word more. How many of you with me would say, I'm doing that? I wanna shift my focus. I wanna do something to get more into God's word this week. Okay, all over this place, this is good. Let's be a church that goes after the target that God has for us. Let us not be a church that is ostacheo, that is off the mark. Okay, let me pray. God, you see the people that have their hands raised, that wanna follow you more, that wanna be on target, they wanna get into your word more. So first of all, give us the desire to read your word. Then, then when we read it, help us to understand it. Help us to find the resources that can help us understand it. And of course, God, give us the discipline and the drive to internalize it and to move it and put it into action. Help us to know your word so that we can set our sights on the target that you have set for us. Let today be the day that starts a new course for us. Amen, amen. One more thing. We always want people to have a chance to commit their lives give people a chance to commit their lives to God in every time, every service that we have here. And I believe that our people in, there are people in this room, I believe there are people watching online that have never made the decision to follow Jesus like we have been talking about this morning. Because listen, sin, sin, all of us have it. It separates us from God. We've all done it, but there's a way back to Jesus. There's a way back to God. Jesus came, he died, so that you can be forgiven without any punishment, without any shame. And if you believe in him and you commit to following him, the sin that separates you is taken away and you are made right with God. So here's the question, and I would love everybody to just bow your head and close your eyes right now. Time of privacy, time of reflection, just so you can focus on God right now. If you are in this place and you have never asked Jesus to forgive you, you've never made the decision to follow him, and you want to start that relationship today. You want to start putting your focus on him and following him today. Again, I would just love to, for you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Nobody else is looking around, just me. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody in this place that says, that's me? Online as well, you can you can do this. There's a place in the comments or in the description that you can click on that says, respond to Jesus. Click on that. You can respond to Jesus right now as well. So one more second here anybody in this place that says that's me anybody else awesome awesome let's do this let's pray I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud with me to help those that are making this decision and if you are making this decision for the first time man mean it with your whole heart because these aren't magic words this is between you and God let's pray this together God I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate that together, huh? That's awesome. Amen. Well, if you made that decision today, whether you raised your hand or not, maybe you made that decision, I, I would love to hear about it. You can come find me right after service, otherwise on your connect card on the back, on the prayer side, There's a spot that says, I want to follow Jesus. Just put a check mark in there so I can just uh, celebrate with you and shoot you something this week. Um, If you want to continue to spend some time with God right here, right now, maybe you're like, I need to read my Bible now. Go ahead, sit here, pull it out. We're going to keep playing here for a little bit. Otherwise, have a great week. Thank you for being here.